0: Now, turn in your Bible to Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5. I don't want to interrupt friends. but anybody else had a word you want to share? That's all right. All right, Revelation chapter 5, please. Let's turn there. And I'm going to interrupt the series of messages on the home and bring that message at another time. And uh, tonight, I want to speak just briefly on the atonement. What does it mean? Now, this will not be a full message, just a brief outline, but a blessing to my heart, and I hope it will be to your heart. Revelation chapter 5, actually, 4 and 5 are two chapters that go together, and we'll look at both of them. May we pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity to be in such a precious praise hour. Thank you for Miss Betty Lightfoot who shared with us that victory, those victories in Oakland, California. We pray for the Chinese as they go out from that church to other places that the torch of spiritual power ignited there through the power of the Holy Spirit in the ministries of Brother and Mrs. Lightfoot will touch thousands and thousands of people in the earth before the Lord comes. And we pray the same thing for here this place tonight. God, move among us. We pray that we'll cast the torch of leadership and spiritual fire and power in the lives of some here tonight that could take that message into valleys of human need. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Now, Revelation chapters 4 and 5 are a scene set in heaven. The book of Revelation alternates between scenes set on the earth and scenes set in heaven. And if we do not realize that, We'll never understand the book of Revelation. Some, to some people, this book is just a closed book. There are two words that we deal with in scriptural work. One is apocrypha. The other is apocalypse or apocalypto. Apocrypha means closed, sealed, hidden, hard to understand. Apocalypse means open. So many times we have taken that word apocrypha And applied it to the book of Revelation as if the book of Revelation is some closed book that nobody can possibly understand. And God never intended it that way. The the name of the book of Revelation is Apocalypse. That means the unveiling of Jesus Christ. The opening up so we can comprehend and understand. Now there are alternate scenes set in the earth and scenes set in heaven. And when we come to Revelation chapters 4 and 5, we find the scene set in heaven. As a matter of fact, it's one of the first things that we'll see when we get home to heaven. We'll see the song of the ages. David said in Psalm chapter 40, he said, The Lord hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto the Lord. Many shall see it and be glad. Now. We don't usually see a song unless that song is translated into life, incarnate in human life. And that's what's happened when we get to heaven. All the songs of all the ages have become incarnate in beings that are in the glory. And I want to just call your attention to them. Some of, to some of you, this is something you've studied before. To some, it may be new. Look in verse 8, chapter 4, verse 8. And the four living creatures had each of them six wings about Him, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is to come." The first song that we sing in heaven, that we hear song in heaven, is about the holiness of God. It is praise to Jehovah Elohim. And it is sung by the living creatures, The song we sing, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, and so on, is a song taken from that very Scripture right there. We usually do not sing it like they're going to sing it there. We poke around at it and sing it so that nobody's very interested in it. And among evangelical Christians, sometimes the song, Holy, 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 is not a very popular song because people don't sing it well. We need to sing it like the choir was singing tonight. And that is the song we'll sing in heaven. It's the song of the holiness of Jehovah Elohim. He is holy. I got cut off this morning in the message. I seem to never have time to finish preaching. And I was getting to the point where the church has a holiness to God because God is holy. And the Bible says, be ye holy for I am holy. And when we get home to heaven, the first song that will greet our ears is that song, Holy Holy, holy, Lord God Almighty. Now look at verse 10. The the four and twenty elders fall down before him that is seated on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for thou hast created all things and for thy pleasure they are and were created. This is a praise to the Creator. Praise to God. A large part of our services ought to be given to praise. Praising the Lord. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And when we get home to heaven, the first thing we're going to notice is, first of all, they're going to be singing about the holiness of God. And secondly, they will be singing praise to Him that created all things. I don't know what the evolutionists will do. I suppose there are some evolutionists that will be saved and go to heaven. They're surely going in for a big eye-opener there because the song of heaven has nothing to do with evolving and evolution and so on. It's just praise to the Creator who created the heavens and the earth, who spoke the world into space, and who said, let us make man in our image. And that's the song, that's the second song in heaven. Now let's look at the third song. Look down in chapter 5 beginning with verse 8. And when he had taken the scroll the four living creatures and four and twelve elders fell down before the lamb having every one of them harps and golden bowls full of incense which are the prayers of saints. Don't ever be weary in your prayer. If you'll notice this was the incense full of the prayers of the saints. Where is that in heaven? There are a lot of people who never see the answers to their prayers here. The the incense of that prayer goes up before God, but no prayer is ever unanswered. No prayer is ever vain. The prayer that comes from the heart goes to the heart of God. You may have prayed. You may have prayed for somebody dear to you, somebody that's been on your heart for years, and you feel like, my prayer has not been answered. Just wait. Just wait. God sometimes says yes. God sometimes says no. God sometimes says wait. And we'll be amazed when we get before the throne of God and see the incense of prayer and see how prayer has affected things in this earth that we know nothing about. Now look at verse 9. And they sang a new song. Now this is the new song. Over in heaven. They've already been singing, Holy, Holy, Holy. They've already been singing to the Creator. Now there's a new song. Thou art worthy to take the scroll and open its seals, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and hast made us unto our God kings and priests, or a kingdom of priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Now, that's the particular song we'd like to focus on tonight. There are two other songs. There are five songs. And at the end, the elders get so excited, they say, amen. amen. But we want to focus for just a few moments. And I promise you it won't be very long unless the Lord does something unusual here. But look at verse 9. They sang a new song. Have you sung a new song yet? Do you have a new song in your soul? Or are you singing the same old ditties the world sings? (laughs) You know, I always get interested in kids and young people who sing, and all they have to sing are the same old ditties the world sings. You ain't nothing but a hound dog. (laughs) I grew up here here in Elvis Presley. I don't know how old he was when he died. He's about, I think he and I are about the same age. I don't know for sure. Do you know Elvis Presley grew up in a sort of a holiness church, a church of God-like thing? And he heard those wonderful songs about Jesus when he was young. He's going to have to give an account of that. If he's saved, I'm not saying whether he's saved or not, I don't know, but when he gets before the throne of God, he'll have to give an account for what he did with those songs. You may be an Elvis Presley uh, uh, fan tonight. You may have his poster on your, your wall board in your home or somewhere, I don't know, but I want to tell you, Elvis Presley's going to have a lot to give account for because he took that wonderful gift and talent God gave him, and he knew about the new song, but all he sang were the old world songs. Every once in a while he said, well, I'll sing a hymn of the day. And he sang How Great Thou Art, broke everybody's heart, blessed everybody's heart, because God had given him such a wonderful, wonderful gift. But he started the sex revolution. He's responsible for many girls being raped and having abortions and having families with no husbands. He's responsible for 65% of the youth of today having sex before marriage because he didn't sing the new song. You say you're sort of old-fashioned, sort of, that's sort of bewildering to me, preacher. Yes. I want you to sing the new song. And you don't have to wait till we get to heaven to sing the new song. You see, when Christ comes in, all things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ changes your ambitions, your desires, your plans, and the appeals of your heart. And if all that happens in your life is that tug of the world, or the tug of the world, and all you can do is go bow those albums and sing all the world's ditties, something is drastically a problematic in your life. I'm not jumping on anybody. I'm not being ugly, but I'm just saying. Have you sung the new song? In heaven, they sing a new song. Now, I like all kinds of music. I grew up on the Grand Ole Opry. Grand Ole Opry in those days was clean. It was pretty. And they'd, they'd sing songs like The Wreck of the Old 97. And, oh, come back, oh, come back, little darling. You know that? Red River Valley. You know those? Well, I never heard a flea. I didn't hurt anybody. It was not like that anymore. They sing the world's ditties. And they put all the lust they can into it. Now in heaven, they're singing a new song. Let's find out what that song is. And let's sing it here. We don't have to wait until we get to heaven. Let's have a big rehearsal here. Rehearse every day. You know, uh, uh, there used to be a film, or uh, there used to be a play or drama or something, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. You ever seen that or heard? I don't know whether they even have it anymore. Snow White. And, and they'd go, <whistles> you know, whistle while you work. You ever heard that? Don't look like, you know, you, some of you look like, uh, a calf at a new gate or something like that. Uh, well, see, don't be so surprised and shocked at my, what I'm doing. All right, now listen. I'd like for us to take the new song and whistle it in the dark, and whistle it while we drive down the highway, and sing it while we're in our work, and wherever we are, years I spend in vanity and pride. Caring not my Lord was crucified, knowing not it was for me. And have a good time singing those. Further along we'll know all about some glad morning when this life is over. And sing songs about the Lord. The new song, see? Instead of, who's going to get my guy? I'm scared my best friend's going to go out with my best husband. My last, second, third husband. I can't remember which one he is, but my, somebody's going to go out with him, and so I'm scared to death about that. All right, let's get into this new song for a minute. I promise not to be very long. Look at this. Verse 9. The fir- there are four stanzas in this song. Four stanzas. Number one, Thou art worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. The first song they sang is a praise to the Lord. Lord, you're worthy. Thou art worthy, O oh Lord. <laughs> Isn't that great? Amen. Now, you, this, you, you won't get this if you don't understand the context. In chapter 5, the first part of chapter 5, John is there, and he's been promised that he's going to see all the things that are yet to, to be unfolded in, in the future. Uh, book of Revelation, much of it is future. And uh, John has been, he's been told, you're going to see all the glorious things God has in store and so he comes upon the book and the book is sealed with seven seals and they search all over heaven for somebody to open those seals and to loose the message so people can understand what it says and nobody can find anyone that's worthy to open the book they can't find anybody and so John sits down in heaven and just starts weeping Now you imagine that that's that's that touches my heart every time I read it you see John really got excited about knowing what was going to happen in the future. And when he was so disappointed, nobody could be found that would open the book, could loose the seals thereof, and John started weeping. And somebody came along and said, weep not, John. The lion of the tribe of Judah has prevailed to open the book and loose the seals thereof. Who is that lion of the tribe of Judah? Let's say his name. Yeah, Jesus. And so the very first stanza of the new song in heaven is, Thou art worthy, for thou hast opened the seals of the book. Thou art worthy to open the scroll and to open its seals, the worthiness of the Lord. I want to tell you tonight, the Lord is worthy of your praise. The Lord is worthy of my praise. The Lord is worthy of a life put on the line for God. When we invite people to put their trust and faith in Jesus and take their stand for God, we have no embarrassment about that. There's no, there's no disappointment. We're not saying, well, come, and I'm scared to death that the Lord won't meet your needs. I can just say to you boldly, if you'll come and sell out to the Lord Jesus lock, stock, and barrel, he'll meet every need in your life because he is worthy. Amen. Stanza number two. Why is he worthy? For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. Why is he worthy? Because of the atonement. The atonement is a doctrine spoken of all the way through the Old Testament, scarcely mentioned in the New Testament and yet referred to and inferred many, many times. The atonement is the work of the Lord Jesus whereby he paid the price for sin. Thou art worthy for thou wast slain. Lord Jesus, why do you have to be slain? Because the wages of sin is death. The paycheck you draw at the end of life when you've left Jesus out of your life and you've left God out of your life is an eternal dying of the soul, separation from God forever and forever and forever. And Jesus came and paid that price. In the Old Testament, when people sin, they would go... So the priest take an, take an offering, and a sacrificial offering, and the priest would take that animal and kill it. And then he would take some of the blood and put it on another animal and send the blood, the animal, out into the woods, signifying the remission or the taking away of sin. And then once a year, the priest would go beyond the veil into the Holy of Holies and offer a blood sacrifice on the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was covered with a gold plate. It is estimated that in our values, set of values today, it would be worth over $60,000, just that gold plate. It was surrounded by cherubs. Inside the Ark, Aaron's rod that budded, a pot of, a golden pot of sample manna taken from the wilderness wanderings, and a copy of the Ten Commandments. And once a year, the priest would go beyond the veil, take the blood of an animal and sprinkle it on that blood, on that that gold mercy seat, symbolizing the blood that would cleanse from all sin. And God said he had chosen to put his name there. But that was just a symbol of something better to come. And every time a priest would do that, if he did it by faith, he would be saying one day, one day one day I won't do this anymore one day I won't do this anymore and on that day of all days when they had taken Jesus from Gethsemane to Caiaphas to Pilate to Herod to Pilate and out to Golgotha and there they had planted that crown of thorns on his brow they had nailed those nails in his hands and they put Jesus up on a cross and in that prepared hole they let the cross drop and the flesh of the Son of God tore and the blood of God streamed down that old rugged cross. There came somebody running from Jerusalem saying, High priest, high priest, the veil of the temple is rent in twain. What did he mean? Never again in a thousand worlds would anybody ever have to go and offer a blood sacrifice because Jesus was our blood sacrifice. There was none other good enough to bear the price for sin. He only could unlock the door of heaven and let us in. Thou art worthy for thou was slain and hast redeemed us. You have paid the atonement so that now man and God can be at one. This is the new song. Are you singing it? Do you have it in your heart? Has the Lord come into your life so he's changed you and transformed you and you have a new song in your soul? That's stanza two. Now stanza three, look at that. And has made us unto our God kings and priests. You, you know, Jimmy, you're a king. You don't look like one yet, but you are. You're a priest too. Now, some translators say this means kingdom of priests, which means about the same thing. You are a kingdom of priests. If you're saved tonight, you are molded together as a kingdom of priests. Now, what's a priest do? What's the purpose of ministry of a priest? Well, a priest is one who intercedes for Another. The priests in the Old Testament represented God to the men and men to God. He would go into the holy place and offer a sacrifice. And then he'd come out to the people and say, here's what God says. Now the Lord Jesus changed all that, and he made you a priest. You see, your preacher is no longer a priest. That's the reason in Bible-believing churches we don't call our preachers priests there's nothing wrong with that if we say there's a priest over there there's a priest there and there's a priest the whole choir is full of priests tonight there's a priest playing the organ a priest playing the piano priest over here at the technical controls church is full of priests tonight nothing wrong with that because that's true but we don't usually speak like that but that's what the priesthood of the believer is all about we are priests so that we have direct access to God and we don't have to go through somebody else to get to God isn't that good and that's what they're singing in this new song, I'm a priest under God. Praise the Lord. I don't have to go through anybody else. And last of all, look at the last stanza, we shall reign on the earth. There's a great day coming, and we're going to reign with Jesus. For the Lord God omnipotent reigneth forever and forever. We're going to reign with Him. Now, we don't have time tonight to talk about the millennium, talk about the reigning here. But I believe God is going to let his people reign with him for a thousand years, according to Revelation chapter 20. Those who are God's people, Brother Sanford, you've always wanted to be reigning in Bowling Green. You know, I was interested in what Dr. Jack Hiles said to a banker in the, in the Hammond, Indiana one day. He he was going to get a loan, I, don't, I think they're so big they don't need loans anymore, I don't know for sure about that. He was going to get a loan at a bank and the banker wouldn't give him a loan. Well, if you know Dr. Hiles, you know how stubborn he is and how uh, straightforward he is and he just stood there at the bank and he said, you give me a loan. Well, he said, sir, I, I can't give you a loan, I'm sorry. He said, when I take over this place, I'm gonna fire you if you don't give me a loan. The man looked at him and said, what do you mean when I take over this place? He said, I'm going to reign, and I'm going to rule Hammond one day. And this man said, oh, I see, preacher, I'll give you a loan. (laughs) Now, I don't know whether we need to use it like that or not, but I want to tell you, we're going to reign with the Lord. And we're going to be with Him, and He's going to be in us, and we'll be reigning with Christ. Now, that's the new song they sing. And when you sing like that, well, you don't have to be afraid. See, perfect love casteth out fear. You, there's no fear to it any longer. You can sing like the choir sang tonight. You can sing like Bob sang today. You can sing like some of these others have been singing because there's a new song in my soul. There's a song we sing somehow, isn't there? There's a new song in my soul. I like it. I don't know what it, how it goes, but I'd like for us to sing it if we could. But anyway, there's a new song. I want to know tonight, and I'm going to close. I promise it wouldn't be very long. I've just preached 50 minutes hour I don't know how long I preach but listen I want to ask you do you have the new song in your soul has all the singing tonight just been so much well when they're going to get around to getting over the surface or have you entered in and said I've got a song in my soul I like what they're singing because that's part of the song of my soul the song of the soul set free if you do not have the new song you can have it tonight you say well how can I have it by repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. By coming to grips with God and saying, Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm sorry for my sins. I want to repent of sin and ask you to forgive me and cleanse me and save me. And I want Christ to come into my life. And I want to serve Him and live for Him. And and I want Jesus to put that song in my soul. And if all your life has been filled with is the old world's ditties, that's all you know. God bless you. I love you. But you're sort of bankrupt. How pitiful that all you can sing is something the world teaches you. When you've got a whole garden full of wonderful songs that God will give you if you'll let Jesus live and reign in your heart. It comes about through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. May we pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Our Father, we thank you for what we've uh, experienced here tonight these testimonies and songs and the word of God we pray that thou wilt put a new song in somebody's soul tonight even praise unto the Lord in Jesus name amen may we stand please just as I am without one plea but that thy blood was shed for me O Lamb of God I come to thee now this is God's invitation very simple please know that this is god's invitation this is a god's altar it isn't mine doesn't doesn't even belong to the church it's, it belongs to jesus now i want to invite you tonight to come if you've already trusted jesus to come and take a stand for him let everybody know it just tell just let me tell the church i've been saved and i'm glad there's some here tonight who have been saved and you need to be baptized I want to ask you to come. And we're going to have a word of prayer right here tonight. There are others here tonight who have had sort of a bankruptcy in your life. And you know it. I'm not insulting you because you know it. You already know it in your heart. I want to ask you to turn that bankruptcy into Jesus and say, Lord, fill me with a new song. Fill me with thyself. If you will do it, he'll do it. While we pray, while we sing, who will step out for the king? What page is that, Brother Bob? 249, Just As I Am, Without One Plea. Let's turn there and sing that great hymn. The invitation is open to whosoever will come. God help you to do it.